2: Hello and welcome to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. I'm John Norman, alongside me is ever, Steve Harmison, looking back at the Sri Lanka series, which England wrapped up uh, late on day four, a six-wicket win. So two big, big victories, um, the perfect uh, starter to what is going to be quite a year. We're going to look back at all the action. Myself and Harmi are going to be joined by Andrew Fernando from ESPN Cricket Info to give us Sri Lanka's perspective. And then, at the end of the show, we're going to try and work out which big-name player is going to be getting some bad news when the first eleven is selected for that first Test match against India, which you will be able to hear live and exclusively on TalkSport 2. Plenty to get our teeth into. You're listening to The Cricket Collective. So, Palmy, Twenty-four hours out, we should have been up at uh, four a.m. But a lion, what riches! Thank you to uh, everyone involved in that uh, victory for uh, for England. The players can uh, relax by the beach. Um, I can see my family. You can too. But uh, plenty to discuss. We we did talk about uh, the series as a whole a little bit on the following on podcast yesterday, but a, a chance today. 24 hours on just to uh, assess where England are, where it went right, areas of concern, I suppose. Um, and also we're going to get the Sri Lankan perspective as well. Uh, Fidel Fernando from uh, ESPN Critic Info will be joining us a bit later. But, um, well, first things first, we did talk about it a little bit yesterday, but, you know, Joe Root has got a lot of plaudits over the last couple of days. Uh, and rightly so. I mean, I think that was um, the first time England had won five overseas test matches uh, you 've got to go back to nineteen twenty two or something ridiculous it 's been that long so um yeah, credit to him and and, and it 's great that he can just look back and, and just enjoy it. i mean at times i've i don't think he 's been enjoying playing cricket for England over the last couple of years, but certainly today is a day to enjoy
1: definitely a day to enjoy i 'm sure he's he 's down on a beach and yeah, you know, the 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 travel over to Chennai will be an enjoyable one. Sitting in his business class seat, enjoying the riches of of traveling with you know pretty much the world off his shoulders. Because I think you're right, Joe has traveled quite a bit in the last eighteen months um, with the weight on his shoulders. You know, whether it's the pressures of playing one day cricket, constantly trying to force himself into this one day side, and everybody else banging on about how good a not good a one day player he is and he shouldn't be in the one day 2020 team and he shouldn't you know question marks on that which is complete nonsense for me because for me he's one of the best batsmen all formats here around the world and b we've had england have had an an all time so i'm sure he'll enjoy his trip over to chennai the what's going to come is going to be unbelievable pressure from i think all quarters and it's I think thankfully for England there's going to be no crowds there because I think that would add the the pressure to the to the series as well but I think it's been a it's been a fascinating few weeks for the England captain he's come off a prolonged period out you know through him, himself having time to contemplate on what he was going to entail and move forward through India Australia also to work on his game. And it, you can see that that's bare fruit in, in in the two test matches in Sri Lanka. So I'm over the moon for the England captain. I think he's he's a wonderful young man. He's somebody who I think England can hang the hat on as a role model, um, along with the, his predecessor to Alistair, Alistair Cook. I think England, from a, a leadership point of view, as a person or in a good place, whether they're in as a good place as a team, I think is is yet to be determined because we can all see how well Joe played, and he did. He played absolutely brilliantly. But there's still question marks on... They're still there. The question marks are still there. The top of the order question marks, the spin ball and question marks. And that will ramp up this minute they get to India because of either the surfaces they're going to play on, be the opposition they're going to play, because that certainly helped in, in Sri Lanka. England won two test matches in Sri Lanka, and then on two different occasions first in 's first Test match, second and second Test match, Sri Lanka give in and let England you know basically bully them into submission um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I would go as far as saying that and I stick by that. England did the job on Sri Lanka rather than Sri Lanka, just giving it away. I think the pressure that England put them on scoreboard pressure, and Joe Rue himself you know really a f- ramming home his ability in you know, tough conditions in the heat in the turning and balls. I think he, he showed what a fantastic player he was. And I think Sri Lanka buckled under that sort of pressure, different kettle of fish when they get to India. I can't see India buckling to that pressure. If Joe Root does get in and back for a long per- period of time, because on the other hand, India will not do what Sri Lanka did. India have the baton to do exactly the same as Joe Root, if not a better unit to, to potentially score more runs in England.
2: One of the reasons I think we're all a little bit more chipper following uh, day four is the fact that uh, Jack Leach and Dominic Best did take wickets in second innings. And, you know, I was talking yesterday on the following on show saying, I can't remember that it ever happening, or it certainly hadn't happened. I could not remember a, a previous instance where in the first innings, all 10 wickets went the way of pace and all 10 wickets went the way of spin in the second. It's never happened before. Mm. So there you go. Either way, let's have a little listen to what Joe had to say. Um, he said he was delighted that Dominic Best and Jack Leach's hard work is starting to pay off.
3: You know they're, they're doing all the right things in practice. We're having very good conversations about how to play in these conditions, both with bat and ball. And I thought they executed it really well today, um, even even through that partnership towards the end of, of their innings. We didn't really panic. Uh, I think in the past probably been guilty of that. So I'm you know, really impressed with with the way they've they've gone about things, and uh, it's a really good sign that. More than anything, they in themselves. They know that they they want to keep getting better, and there's there's further that they can go, and there's you know there's there's more that they can do, and that and that in itself's really exciting to see them have success and, and know that they want to, to keep improving.
2: Well, there's no doubt about it. England need both Bess and Leach, um, having those kind of series which define them essentially, um, you know, and not in the kind of way that uh, Jack Leach batted alongside. Ben Stokes at Headingley kind of definition if, if those two bowlers don't don't step up then it's going to be tough for England another player who um, really stepped up in this series and of course isn't going to be part of three test matches of that is Josh Butler let's hear what Joe Root had to say about the decision to send him home after the first test
3: any captain around the world say you, you want your best players available fit firing at the top of the game all of the time and I think the other thing to mention is I think Jost has kept extremely well in these conditions. I so thought he was outstanding and flawless throughout the two games. Um, so, huge credit for that too, as, as alongside his runs and the way he dealt with the pressure today. But we always, you always want all your best players there uh, as often as possible. Unfortunately, because of the, the world we're, we're in right now, it's, it's not feasible and we have to manage that as best we can. But he's, he's still got an opportunity to, to affect the series and you know, I'm sure he'll be desperate to, to carry on the good form.
2: He Really was outstanding, wasn't he, Josh Butler? Behind the stumps, um, with the bat, he looked composed. Um, he actually, do you know what? He batted really well in Sri Lanka two years ago as well. Um, so there is a feeling about him, certainly, when he was dropped from the England side, I think he's was dropped from the England side because he couldn't bat against Nathan Lyon essentially. He seems to have improved, but for me, it's always been mental with Josh Butler. The tech, the, the, the um. The technique at times against fast bowling, maybe he does fall across to to the offside. He can get trapped um, moving across the crease to balls coming into him. And, you know, against top quality spin, if you don't play that often, it takes you a while to get going and get, get up to speed. But he look, com- there was a composure about Josh Butler throughout this series, behind the stumps and and batting that I, I haven't always seen from him.
1: Yeah, and I think he's, he's come off the back of, you know, a difficult, a difficult period when you know these IPL team didn't do do that well. So I was I was looking at the, the the decision and thinking, well, it might not be a bad thing that Josh Butler does go does miss part of this this winter. But I would have preferred him to miss these two Test matches. I'd have rather him played all four Test matches against India if. Like Ed Smith says, and you know Chris Silverwood, Joe Root, he is our number one wicketkeeper because this is our marquee series. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff baffles me about what England have tried to do over the course of the next what four to six weeks. there's a lot of stuff that I don't think you can just hide behind the, you know the issue of and I'm not making any light of this, not whatsoever, of the sort of mental health and looking after people in a bubble and stuff like that. I still think you are, you' are picking a, t- a team four teams for four Test matches in India against the best team in the world. For me, that should be the best team you could possibly pick each time and if you want to leave you know you want to leave players out for Sri Lanka, then I can understand that i 'll take that because I think you know the the mental wealth, health and well being of everybody is is so important. but I look at this and I see Johnny Bester going home. I see Josh Butler going home after a test match just when Josh Butler's finally not winning people over because he doesn't have to win anybody over. He's a seriously talented boy, but he's in a good position. And when you're in a good position in a good headspace, and we'll see when we, we'll hear talking, you know, the likes of Mark Nicholas, um Kevin Peterson, when he comes, Mark Butcher. As a batsman, when you're in a good headspace, you want the game to come tomorrow. You want another game to come tomorrow. You don't want any nets. You just want to face balls in the middle. Make it count. You know, runs are your currency. And that's what I think, that's where Joe Joe Root's at the minute. Joe Root can't wait for Chennai to start. He can't wait for Chennai to start, no matter who's bowling at him. And I think Josh Butler is starting to get into that mindset that, and I think he's his game plan. And I agree, it is mental. It has been mental with Joss. I'm not sure he understood which way he wanted to go, whether it was, you know, to play the the dasher that the one day, what he was perceived to be putting aside for to try and take the game away, number seven, not witty keeper, to then taking the witty keeping gloves over, play a test match win. and I think he's tried to do that, and I think he's done that really well this this last this last two weeks. And it's just gonna be a shame that he's not gonna be there. The two spinners <laughs> As much as everybody's saying, and a lot of people are saying, you know, we should play Broad and Anderson and not play one of the spinners because they are Broad and Anderson are, you know, just as effective of closing the game and you know really getting a hold of the game. That was against Sri Lanka. This is a different Kettle of Fish. If the ball's going to turn, you need two spinners. And looking at, especially looking at the batting lineup of India, they all they're all right-handers, so you're going to need your left-arm spinner.
2: Let's, we'll talk about India a little later in the show. I do just want to hear quickly from Ed Smith, who did speak before the second Test match. Um, and he was saying that essentially, um, well, essentially he's defending the decision to, uh, to rest Johnny Bairstow for these two Test matches. We are being pragmatic. The pragmatism being that if you keep people in a bubble, unchanged, for three months, January, February, March, and expect them to play every game in every format, they will
1: not be able to perform at their best and England will be damaged as a result. So it is
4: absolutely a pragmatic point that we wish to give people breaks as we've discussed with the players and we've had their you know, understanding and they
3: also see that it's for the players' benefit as well as for England's benefit and it's pragmatism which really is the foundation of our whole policy, Nick. So there you have it. I mean, part
2: of the problem is, is that you don't really know what's been going on behind the scenes, do you? And it's not just about the IPL coming up, which a lot of people are slightly uneasy about, you know, are we we really resting players from England duty so they can be fit for the IPL? That's a separate point, which we can, which we can discuss, but there's something else, isn't there? There's a world T20 this year that very much is a focus for England and they want to play their first, their first team in the world T20 so I imagine that means that Butler's coming back for those five T20 games. Again, it doesn't really, for, for, for people like me and you, resting anybody from a Test match, especially against India, surely you rest them for the Test matches against Sri Lanka, like you have done with Stokes and Archer. Not for India, especially if England go 1-0 up. I mean, Josh Butler scores a century, England win, and then he goes. I, I can't think of, a, of that ever happening, ever, in, a, in Test history. But... Anyway, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. That's certainly a topic that's going to rumble on and on and on. Listen, we've got plenty to talk about on the show. We've got uh, Andrew Fernando joining us very shortly. We're going to get the Sri Lankan perspective. We are going to talk about uh, the India series later on. And I want to get your 11 for that first test match. I want to know who you, Steve Harmison, is going to drop. Who's going to get the tap on the shoulder? um, Midway point of training the day before and told, sorry, but you're... 400-plus test wickets aren't going to be required uh, for the first test match tomorrow. Plenty more to come. You're listening to Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2.
3: With ease, Sibley knocks one into the leg side and England complete a remarkable day's cricket. They came into the day behind the game and they end it having won this test match by six wickets and they win the series 2-0. Hello
2: and welcome to the Cricket Collective on Talk Sport 2. Myself, John Norman and Steve Harmson looking back at England's successful series in Sri Lanka, which finished on day four in Gaul in the second test match with Joe Root's men wrapping up a comfortable in the end at six-wicket win. Pleased to say that Andrew Fernando from ESPN Cricket Info joins us um, to uh, review the series as opposed to preview it, which we seem to be doing not that long ago, uh, such as the nature of back-to-back test matches. And uh, Fidel, thanks for joining us. Look, cricket has uh, uh, long had these almost unanswerable questions, you know, Tendulkar or Lara, Gooch or Cook, Hobbs or Hutton, which was the worst batting display? Sri Lanka in first innings of first test or second innings in second? Yeah. <laughs> that's,
4: a, that's a great question. And one, I think, worth every, every ounce <laughs> of discussion as the other ones you mentioned earlier on. Uh, I mean, they were, both, they were both appalling on a level that... I just I mean, it's hard to put into words how bad they were. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, England bowled really poorly on that first morning of the first test. Um, Dom Best was getting wickets with, you know wide half uh wide half trackers which you know like a club batsman would have been uh would have been disappointed to get out to or like almost appalled to get out to and yet we had the uh, test level players getting out to them um and then you know the 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 collapse on on the la- on the fourth day of the second test was i think in some ways even more reprehensible like you know maybe like skill wise that first day first morning one was bad because uh, you know, the, England were bowling poorly and, you know, it, it was kind of like a surrender in the face of English mediocrity, whereas England bowled a lot better, I thought, in, in yesterday's or in day four's collapse. Um, but, but Sri Lanka had already, you know, kind of worked themselves in series. They'd had two good innings, the second innings of the first test, the first innings of the second test. And were, it's not like they were out of form or they just come in fresh and hadn't had preparation, which are kind of excuses that they can use for the, that first innings. Uh, on that second innings, they were just, it's like they, it's like they all turned their kind of batting conscience off. They were like, we don't have to be responsible anymore. And once you see, you know, one or two of your teammates get out playing these kind of uh, aggressive shots, may, you know, maybe it should be a signal to the middle and middle and lower order that you should be bucking down. You should maybe bat normally, try to get yourself into the innings. Uh, it's, not like, it's not like there were any indications the previous day that, uh, that the pitch was unplayable. You know, Root scored 180-odd uh, and was only out because he got run out. And, uh, and other, other players kind of maybe didn't score as much, but they at least were able to spend some time at the crease. Uh, and for Sri Lanka, and we, and we saw, you know, I think Dom Sibley's innings really put into, into perspective how bad that second innings was. Because Dom Sibley, a player who'd never played tests in Asia before, had been out for single-figure scores uh, right through the series until that innings. Clearly doesn't have. I mean, even now doesn't have that good a technique against spin, but did have some grit, did show some determination. Was like, I'm going to stay here and get through this for my team. And we didn't see any of the Sri Lanka batsmen do that. And I think that was that. I think that second innings, I think was uh, just on on all fronts, just uh, unwatchable. What about um,
1: what about Mickey Arthur, um, Fidel? Because Mickey Arthur he's relatively new to the, to the shrinking job. What changes can he do along with Grant Flower? And is it, is it a a simple mindset change or do they have to sort of go back into first-class cricket and Mickey Arthur really grab the coaches and work on the technical side of the game? Because if, if the TV crews had a, a Mickey Arthur cap cam that would have been comedy value alone because he was apoplectic about five or six times, running with them fancy shorts on. He was like he was like something off like a Carry On movie, running him along back and forward along the uh, along the balcony. What could Mickey Arthur do to to someone like Isel P- Pereira? Because we have on the following on we've had like a laugh out loud moment every day, and Pereira's come into that laugh out loud moment at least three times, four times during this Test match series.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, first of all, I think Kusopera is batting out of position. He's not a, he's not a test match opener. Uh, so that's like one thing that I would say he's definitely, he could be a four or a five, but he's not an opener. So that's the first thing I'll say. I'll, I'll leave Kusopera alone after that. Uh, as uh, in, in terms of your Mickey Arthur question, I think you're right. He's still figuring this team out and the team is probably still figuring him out and there's some serious teething issues there. Uh he you know he came to the press conference after after the the, the defeat and he was like he was basically at a loss to explain it and he was like I got to go and talk to the guys and figure out what happened. Uh because that wasn't the plan. The plan wasn't to go out all all guns blazing playing incredibly kind of rash shots. Uh the plan very much was to bat sensibly uh, and no one had followed the plan. And so there's a serious disconnect between coach and players. When you have the coach saying the plan was to do this, they went and did the complete opposite. There's clearly a bridging uh, of a relationship or of a, a, a kind of a minds that needs to happen there. As uh, you know, in terms of your, your question about the greater, ga- greater problems with Sri Lankan cricket, I think the problems are very much at a domestic first-class level. I've been saying this for many, many years. Many other people have been saying this for many, many years. Kumar Sangakar uh, and then Jawad Jawadhan have come up with plans to retool or, or kind of completely overhaul first-class cricket. And they're still coming up with plans. They're, they, you know, they're kind of in the process of, of advising uh, the cricket board or um, the sports ministers kind of got them in this role where they're, where they're advising uh, sports bodies. But Sri Lanka cricket has been incredibly resistant to any kind of change. And they're playing with this uh, insanely outdated and diluted system. So what you don't have is, you know, I think it's part of the problem in, in the two innings we mentioned was that players played like their, their places weren't really in you know in contention uh, or weren't at, at stake they just went out and played the way you know with, irresponsibly and to have that kind of responsibility you know that there's not a group of people behind you a group of batsmen behind you pushing for your place and we don't have that in Sri Lankan cricket there is, there are no obvious replacements uh, to many of these businesses for, for some there are but for many of these places, there aren't. So that's kind of maybe what creates that complacency. Uh, knowing that you've had the job for a while, there's no one really at domestic cricket. And even those who are coming in from domestic cricket, there is no history of them coming in and immediately doing well at the top level. It takes, you're learning your game at test level. So they know that the selectors have invested all this time in them. They've, they've said, okay, you have 10, 15, 20, 25 test matches. Uh, if you put in another guy, even if he's really talented, he's still not going to be able to come into test level and start scoring runs straight away. We've seen that over many, many years in Sri Lanka cricket now. And I think at, at some level, the players know that. And they know that I'm the person who's been invested in. So they're going to stick with me probably. So uh, I think that is a serious problem. That, and one, Mickey Arthur. Mickey Arthur can do things kind of top-down stuff. He can, he can only work with the players that have been given to him. Um, and the players that I get that he's getting, uh, unfortunately, are not of a, a very high quality. And there are very, very easy fixes for, for Sri Lankan cricket. Reduce the number of teams. You've got 14 first-class teams. Reduce that down to six or seven. You've got to have better pitches at, at first-class level. You've got to make sure that all your first-class players can play professionally and not have to rely on other jobs, which is very much the case now. Uh, you've got to make sure that the game is spread uh, into other parts of the country beyond Colombo. Uh, Sri Lanka cricket is very Colombo-centric. If you want to play uh, professional cricket, you've got to come to Colombo and play it. And you lose a lot of talent that way. There are all these things that people have been saying for many, many, many years. None of this has been done. Um, and and uh, yeah, I think that is by far the biggest challenge that that uh, cricket in Sri Lanka faces.
2: Don't, isn't the other problem, of course, that they, Sri Lanka plays so little test cricket. Yeah. You know, If you're a if you're <sighs> kid, kid growing up, the point me and Harmy were talking about on the following on podcast yesterday was England plays so much test cricket. They know that even when they're behind, if they lose a bad toss or they don't bat particularly well for a session or bowl particularly well for a day, they know if they, as long as they keep in the game, they're going to have a chance. It's going to come back their way. But Sri Lanka don't have that because they don't have the muscle memory. And you saw that they competed in stages, but when it came to the crucial moment it was England's 14 Test matches last year, 17 this year. That experience is what got them over the line. The other thing is, you know, you talk about in the game in in Sri Lanka. Tell us just a little bit for people who are unaware. But is it Jaffna? Did they win the Lankan Premier League? I'm not sure if I've got the, um, the the correct name, but you know, that's a part of the country which traditionally isn't doesn't hasn't produced a lot of cricketers for for Sri Lanka. Do you see the Lankan Premier League? If it continues, maybe um, actually bizarrely helping Test
4: cricket. Uh, that's so. The, the I, I think that's a really good question. Um, Jaffna is a city that has a lot of uh, kind of tr- uh, cricket tradition. There are schools there that play it very seriously. If you go there, it's you know cricket is by far the biggest sport. Um, people love cricket there. I think um, the kind of the geopolitical kind of angle of it is that also it was it was strung up in Sri Lanka's civil war, which ended in two thousand nineteen. Uh, and so it was kind of cut off from the rest of the country for such a long time, which is part of the reason um, that it hasn't produced kind of any uh, any test cricketers. I think things like the Lanka Premier League can help. I think at the at the at the end of the day, though, they're still private ventures, uh, and there's only so much kind of private venture money that is going to go into somewhere like a Jaffna. Um, what I think would be much more worthwhile and much more sustainable if it's, uh, is if Sri Lankan cricket took its responsibility to take uh, cricket out into cities like Jaffna that have this kind of love for the game and to develop talent within it. There's no academies up there. There's no. The, it, it's such a hard road for a Jaffna cricketer uh, to, to be kind of brought into the Sri Lankan cricket system. You have to have a lot of things go your way. You have to have a lot of luck. Uh, you have to have parents that understand that you know cricket might be a, an actual profession. You've got to have um, local, clubs that you can join if you can't leave for Colombo, if you don't know anyone in Colombo to live with. Uh, all of these things, the, the, the infrastructure just isn't there right now. And Sri Lanka cricket has not showed any, uh, any vision or any, um, any desire to extend the infrastructure. And it's not just Jaffna. There are other other cities all around the country, you know, in um, many, many provinces, in Uva province, in the eastern provinces, even parts of the southern province, where this infrastructure doesn't exist. And somewhere, something like an, an LPL can, can help kind of boost uh, that infrastructure, but it's, not, it's only going to be like a 5%, 10% thing. Like it's, not, it's never going to be like super sustainable. It's only as far as that franchise is inter- interested in, uh, in aiding kind of the development of cricket there that it's, it's, uh, Sri Lanka cricket has really got to do the heavy lifting uh, and they're not doing that.
2: Okay. Brilliant stuff, uh, Fidel. Look, we're going to get your, uh, your take on how England have done as well, whether you've been impressed by them, the weaknesses that you see, um, and how suited you think the England side are ahead of that four-test series in India, which starts at the end of next week. Um, there's going to be plenty of cricket to talk about over the next few years, that's for sure. Uh, and you're listening to a cricket show on TalkSport2, the Cricket Collective with myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmson.
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June
1: Edge to slip Just with that new ball Slip in play Skidding on straight to him Five for Amboldinia, His third five wicket haul Quite brilliant
2: You're listening to the Cricket Collective On TalkSport 2 Myself John Norman And Steve Harmison uh, Alongside us uh,
1: Fernando from
2: ESPN Cricket Info
1: Harmony you had a question? Yeah, Fidel. We've talked a lot about Sri and the structure of the cricket and what potentially went wrong in in the in the two Test matches against England and a bit of naivety. But there was a, a couple of positives: Angelo Matthews coming back in and scoring a hundred, Tiramani scoring a hundred, having you know possibly like he must have read mentioned. he
2: must have read your article, Fidel.
1: Yeah, what you've what you've mentioned about the some players, you know, just constantly getting picked because Tiramani was averaging 22 off about 40 test matches, managed to get a, a test match 100. But the one I want to talk about is Emboldini, you know, a little superstar potentially. In the making there in Sri Lanka, he got 15 wickets, nine wickets, everybody else got nine wickets that bowled in that series. But he looked, as he sort of grabbed a hold of test cricket um, and really give it a shake from a left-hand spin point of view.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's, he's been someone that's, really, that's been really promising from the start, I think, when he, uh, he played a test series in South Africa uh, and that was his debut series. And uh, he, got a, he got a five-wicket haul in a win in Durban uh, and then followed that up with a, another good performance in, in Port Elizabeth uh, before he kind of injured his uh, finger and wasn't able to bowl in the second innings. But he's just one of those players that uh, just seems to have a, a maturity about him um, turns the ball a lot. I think that's that's really really nice to see from a left arm spinner that he's not just coming in and kind of varying his pace and uh, and uh, kind of not just relying on subtlety, but he's also relying on like quite drastic turn at times. Uh, but he can. I mean, the subtlety side of the game uh, he can improve on if he gets if he gets a good slider going. I think pretty much all of his wickets uh, in this series were were from that one that turns that turns off the straight or. or uh, that batsmen reach out for. And, uh, you know, the most common dismissal was an edge to slip. If he manages to get that kind of Rangana Herat slider going, that one that uh, goes on with the arm and the batsmen aren't picking it uh, and uh, and brings LBWs and bold dismissals into play, I think he becomes a really, really dangerous spinner. Uh, and hopefully he can work on that. He's, I mean, the number one person I think you would in the world that you would direct him to is Herat. So he's got that resource. Uh, nearby, uh, I hope that um, coaching staff kind of recognize that and, uh, and, and you know have the, have the two of them working together because I think uh, he, he is a very different spinner from Herath in terms of his height um, and kind of loop he gets with uh, both of which are kind of advantages as Herath, Herath never had so um, he 's just got a great kind of base to start working from he 's not the complete, um, complete article, but I think you saw a lot of heart from him. Uh, he bowled 42 overs in that first innings, and then, you know, two sessions later or one and a half sessions later, had to be out there again, and was again by far Sri Lanka's most uh, threatening bowler. So that tells you a lot about kind of the the heart and the determination and the grit, uh, something that uh, a lot of his teammates lacked uh, in this series. Um,
2: so how did you assess England's spinners then? And you know, how successful, I suppose. Or what problems do you think they're going to be facing in India based on what you've seen from those two test matches? Of course, you saw Jack Leach uh, two years ago when he was arguably more successful, actually.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think Leach is, is a very steady and very uh, solid option. Um, first of all, I don't think you can take much about their uh, England spinners' proficiency from the first or the last innings of the series that Sri Lanka played. Those were kind of aberrations from a bowling perspective. Because you didn't need to bowl that well to get um, the batsman out the way they were playing. So um, I think Jack Leach definitely is, uh, is someone who will be that kind of metronomic, who will give you the lines and lengths and, and the control, uh, and will test the India batsman, I'm sure. Uh, where I'm not so convinced is Dom Bess, Whether he's, uh, I can see, you know, some India batsman kind of taking him on. Um, that first test, I think, is going to be really interesting to see how he goes and how the India batsmen play him, I suspect that they'll go after him um, with a long series in, in mind and knowing that if they, if they attack best and they kind of take him, you know, neutralize him in that test, uh, then they give themselves a, a big advantage for that series. And I suspect that uh, a few India batsmen have got him lined up uh, for that series.
1: And you talk about the, the spinners, but another department that England, I think, need to... To, to seriously have a look at and you know we've talked about johnny bear still going home and josh butler not england's you know best players being out there all the time but there's a question mark on england's some, somewhere there's something from you know the, the working in asia and being around the, the sort of culture in asia that's a, a massive headache for england going into india
4: yeah, I mean, uh, interesting. I think there were some interesting comments from Sibley after the game. He said that he'd come to Sri Lanka with a, with a particular game plan against spin that he thought it was going to work, uh, and then obviously it went very wrong. Uh, and then he had to change you know, mid-series to figure out another game plan. Um, I think Sibley was a little bit lucky uh, in, that, in that second innings where he did score runs because he got quite a few like, very close LBW uh, decisions. <laughs> Uh, go his way. I think there were three kind of umpires calls yeah. uh, where they were hitting the wickets. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's kind of really found a way yet. I think that, that innings was kind of built on determination and hope uh, and uh, it, it happened to work for him. Um, Zach Crawley again hasn't, hasn't had a score as well. So I think they are a big kind of question mark going into that India series. Uh, Jadeja and Ashwin, uh, I don't think it, it it goes without saying are going to be a much bigger challenge that SG ball is different it behaves uh, different from the Kookaburra which we uh, which is used in Sri Lanka so that's going to be a change all of that I think is going to be just a much much greater um, greater challenge for England uh, I think uh, I think Root being there is I mean the, apart from Root the only other batsman who kind of had the measure of of the bowling this series I think was uh, was just Butler and I think he's going home so. Uh, England have a lot of uh, there, there's a lot to be kind of concerned about from a batting perspective because they're going to get challenged a lot. Uh, they're going to get much much sterner challenge in India than they did here. And if you were to
2: compare the England from two thousand twenty one and two thousand and eighteen, there's obviously similarities there. Um, which of the two series has impressed you, I
4: suppose, the most? Uh, I think I think two thousand eighteen was more was a more impressive kind of England um England team because I think there were there were a lot more things that you know they they also had Ben Stokes you know scoring scoring uh, ben, sorry Ben Fuchs uh scoring much more um much more liberally they weren't just reliant on route they weren't rely on a single player uh, the way they were in this series um I think Keaton Jennings scored runs um so these I mean they were and then they I think fielded and bowled really well I think Moin Adil Rashid and uh, Jack Leach were, were a fantastic spin trio, all of whom had kind of different spells in which they kind of broke games open. Uh, so I think that was that was a much more impressive win for me. Uh, I think this England team, probably, I think because of what we've mentioned already, that the opening doesn't seem as good, um, over reliant on Root and Bess. I think is could potentially be someone that the England India batsman target.
1: And What is what and, is it meant for? You know, Sri Lankan people that England have come, they've now gone. Looking back on the series, and you know the, the positivity that you know England have given to or the world of the world of cricket has give to the people of Sri Lanka in this difficult time.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we were really excited to watch the series. Uh, less impressed, by the way, that Sri Lanka played in it. <laughs> so I think the, those those two innings have kind of left a sour taste in the mouth. But obviously, uh, incredibly incredibly happy that uh, it could happen that England were willing to tour. Uh, and we're, we're, you know, we were able to create uh, bubbles and, and uh, you know, wish that more people would have been able to see it at least standing from that fort uh, but, uh, but you know, what, what, such, is, such is life at the moment I guess um, it was definitely a, a very well closely followed series at home uh, judging by, at the very least, by the, uh, by the anger that was felt uh, <laughs> at the end of it
2: Brilliant stuff um, and very, very quickly, Fidel, England and Sri Lanka aren't set to play in Sri Lanka. You'll, of course, be in England later this year um, in the FTP. I'm not sure when they'll be back, but let's just say they're back in 2024. Of that Sri Lanka 11, um, you, can inc- you can include a couple of the injured players and the captain. I mean, that was a big a big loss. He was uh, by far the best batsman when England were last in Sri Lanka. So losing Karuna Ratney at the start was uh, was a huge blow. But of the team... Who, who would you expect to still see in the Sri Lankan side next time England come touring? Say they do in 2024.
4: Yeah, um, good question. I think Matt. Uh, I mean, the, the thing is, there's no kind of really old players apart from maybe Suranga Lakmal and Dilruba Pereira, who almost certainly won't be there. Um, the batting, I think most of them, even Matthews, might be you know at the very tail end of his career. But 2024 doesn't seem it doesn't seem outlandish that he's still around. Chandimal, Karanaratna, they're all kind of younger. Uh, Mendes uh kusal Pereira they I think that that batting unit uh we've seen that there's a propensity not to drop underperforming batsmen, so even if they underperform, <laughs> they may still be there <laughs> in the team um, uh, let's hope terimana averages a little bit more than twenty four though uh, next time
2: brilliant stuff. Mate, go well. We'll uh, hopefully see you in England uh, later this year, but uh, keep in touch and really appreciated your time and uh, your work uh, over on ESPN Cricket Info over the last couple of weeks. That was uh, Andrew Fernando from ESPN Cricket Info. You're listening to The Cricket Collective with myself and Steve Harmson. Still to come, Harmy's 11 uh, for that first Test match. Who is he going to drop, Stuart Broad or Jimmy Anderson? You'll find out shortly. Root or oh, plays him well this time. Pushed off the back foot, a typical Joe Root shot. Now the leg side again. Marissa Pat. Will this be another one-handed oh. six?
1: Yes, it is. It's just swatted away. Hello, unpleasant fly,
2: doing an impression of the ball. I'll just whip you away over my head. I'll make up the
1: shot. That's how good I am. Stokes in again. It's <laughs> more than It's been taken. Stokes has done it again. Just when England needed a hero, they found one.
2: You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison. Um, we're going to have a little look ahead to, uh, to the India series. I want to hear your 11. I'm going to give you mine. But uh, Fidel made a point about the SG ball, the differences between using that in India and what we've seen in Sri Lanka, where they use a
1: kookaburra. Give us a bit of an idea about what he meant. Well, the kookaburra ball is... It, it, yeah, the leather's a bit softer and it, it scuffs and it gets softer very, very quickly. It's a bit more pronounced in the seam. But the... the the SG ball is is a little bit closer to what you would say, what the Duke's ball was like. It's a little bit like what the old Reader used to be like. Um, it's a little bit tougher, a bit more robust, not as, you know, the, the seam's not as pronounced. It's not as uh, sharp as what the Kookaburra ball is. You know, you get a brand new Kookaburra ball and you start throwing it up in the air, you could literally like put your fingers on it because it, it seems that sharp. And that's why seam seamers, it's so important for the first ten overs you, you put it in the right area because it that's when it does its most that's why it swings as much because the seems big and pronounced and then when it goes soft and the seam goes into the ball it's very very difficult to get the ball off straight that's why you see a lot of spinners do well you know on on the uh, on uh, spinners play a lot in the southern hemisphere so I think that is a a a topic of conversation potentially when they're picking the side that the ball might do a little bit more through the air laterally um, if they look after the SG ball for a little bit longer at the start, so you potentially could see the seamers bowling with the ball more than what we've seen in Sri Lanka. I think I think yesterday in the, in the in the second innings, I think we only seen you know, four overs out of the whole out of the whole day. Um, Bowled from both sides, so we'll not see that in India. I can see Seema's being involved um, a little bit more at the start of the day when the ball's new, but uh, there is a there is a, a pronounced difference, a big big difference between the SG ball and the Kookaburra. Not quite as as big as the, the Duke, but there is a bit of a difference between the the, the SG and the Kookaburra. Okay, let's get on with it. I've been talking about it all we'll show.
2: Let's hear your eleven for that first Test match against India in Chennai. But the team England, picks it itself. England England lose a toss and and bowl.
1: Yeah, the team picks it itself because England have have set their stall out with from the batting point of view. So if Sibley Burns, Crawley, Crawley back down to number three, Root at four, Stokes at five, and I'd move Lawrence to six. That's the way I'd go. I'd want Stokes in at five. I want my best, my best, arguably one of my best players Barton, at, at number five to to sort of combat anything that you know, potentially twenty for two because of the track record, the way things have gone. I'm not being ill of you know, and, and sticking the boot into the top order. They've struggled in the subcontinent and we've been 20 for two quite a bit. So I think Stokes going above Lawrence just gives me that little bit. Butler plays himself at, at seven. There's been a lot of talk about two spinners or one spinner, potentially played Braun Anderson. My outlook is you have to pick Best. You can't unless you're playing Mo and Ali, you have to play Dom because you need that little bit more batting at number eight. And I'm not saying yeah you know, Yeah, you know, he's playing for his batting position. This is an all number eight is still an all-round spot. You know, when you look across the across the side there, you're gonna have Ravi Ashwin at number eight. He's got four test hundreds. You know, you, you look at yeah, I think that best has to play. The only thing with best playing is you look at India's one to six, they're all right-handers. And they're all going to play best comfortably turning the ball into him. So from that aspect, I think England's best option from a spin point of view is play Leech. So Leach has to play as well, which then gets me a conundrum, which one doesn't play. You have to play Archer because Wood showed in this series against Sri Lanka, you need that bat, ram. You need that, yeah, that firepower. So then it comes down to the real, which one do you go with? Do you flip a coin and say head's broad, tails, Anderson, the way things have gone, and the way I look at this, I think Jimmy Anderson, for me, pound for pound, in every walk of life and surface, is the best seam bowler in the history of the game. He's just taken six wickets in Sri Lanka, fair enough against some average batting, but because of that, I'm going to punt for Anderson over Broad in the first Test match, only because if you ask me, without Sri Lanka. They hadn't been to Sri Lanka. The going first test, I picked Broad over Anderson because of the way Jim sure Broad bowled throughout the summer. He had the form going in. He had he had the you know the, the everything behind him. Now I've just seen both bowlers bowl beautifully in Sri Lanka. I can't split the two of them up. But what I will go and say is that over the course of a five-day Test match with an SG ball in in India, the way the two of them have just bowled. I'm just gonna go. Just gonna go with with Jimmy over Brody. and and I don't know why. I've got a gut feeling that Jimmy's gonna go. Well, Jimmy will be better than Broadie for that first Test match, and that's all it is. And it's nothing against Stuart. It's just a gut feeling that I think Broad, Anderson over Broad in the first Test match, and then let's see where their bodies are after that. Archer has to play. Stokes has to play. Both spinners have to play for me. So then it comes down to the the 500 or the 600 wicket, man. And unfortunately, Stuart, I'm sorry. I've just got a gut feeling I'm going to go with Jimmy.
2: Yeah, I went with Jimmy as well. Um, look, he's not going to play back-to-back tests. So it's simple as he's just taken a 6 for, He's England's number one bowler. He's the most successful bowler in their history. And he's got a great record in India as well. Well, not great mm-hmm. one, but he's certainly, he certainly... He was a point of difference, I think. MS Doney flagged him up back in 2012. So... Yeah, it's a tough call, but I go with Anderson. If you're going with that, if you're going with that, is it is it a definite that Burns comes in? Um, I suppose it is. But it I don't, is, I don't, sense-
1: sense- I don't know where we can get him in unless you, unless the player folks, unless they say right, folks is going to wait keep for four test matches. That's the only thing I can think of is if they think folks can keep right. We're going to India. Folks is going to keep all four test matches. Burns doesn't come back in. Crawley Sibley, Root me I root potentially at three, Stokes yeah, at four, gonna happen, Lawrence five. I, I, I just there... can't see that happening. I, I, don't, I don't see where where the the top six doesn't, doesn't change. And that's my other argument wanting Stewart in my side because I'm looking at the top three, I'm looking at the two spinners and I'm thinking I could do some experience on this field here. And Archer hasn't played a lot of test cricket. Stokes can get you three for nothing or he could go at six and over. Do I want, do I then turn around and say, well, yeah, do I drop a batsman and, and potentially play all my bowlers? It's, it's such a it's such a hard decision for that first test match. Um, I'd love to have both of them, Broad and Anderson on my side because of, like I just mentioned, two relatively inexperienced spin bowlers, two three very inexperienced top order players and one in the middle order. If I was Joe Root, I'd want as many experienced players on the field as I possibly could. Now, that's where probably Moan Ali would have fit in if he had played the first Test match in Sri Lanka. And that's why that's why it's such a hard decision to break Broad and Anderson up in this marquee key series. I don't think you can do it any other way. You need Archer. You need Stokes. The bats, batsmen that are picked in the 16, basically pick themselves. There's no contingencies. Because if, if you go my way and you go 1 to 11 like that, you've got 12, your twelfth men or your players that aren't playing are Anderson, folks Wokes, Andes, uh, Ali, and Stone. There's none of the batsmen in there, really. So I, I just don't see how you fit all these people is, in. Is it not a risk that England, if we go in with 11,
2: you've basically got Anderson, who's 38. Let's put that to one side for a second. But Archer and Stokes haven't bowled. That's, the, that's a 3 pace lineup with Bess and Leach. And two of them haven't bowled. They haven't bowled since... So, well since three t20s in South Africa
1: and what and, and what have they been bowling on they've probably been bowling on a in an outside tent at minus three minus four in loughborough and you've got to go into that heat and I know the modern day play does change you know changes you know financial uh, franchises and, and moves around and players around the world and you 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 go into Tours now with very little cricket under your belt. I get that. I understand that. That's the modern day way. wear. But you go into 40 degrees heat in Chennai to ask somebody to bowl 90 mile an hour, arguably the, arguably the first over of the day to potentially throw in them a new ball after 80 overs, five and a half hours later, and saying mm. to him, right, go and get me Rishi Pant out, Hardik Pandya out. Virat Coley out. Yeah, you know, if Virat's still in at the end of the day, on day one, next Friday, after after very little <laughs> preparation time, I think that's a big ask. That's why, and it comes back, and I, well, I'll continue this. It comes back to what these players are being arrested for here and where they're going. So the likes of Mark Wood, Johnny Bairstow, Sam Curran, they're coming back to England into, a, into an environment which is one freezing cold. Yes, they're going back to their family environment. One, freezing cold. Two, very. if you listen to the news, the way COVID is going, potentially, possibly might not even get back into the country to get back out of the country from a quarantine point of view. So they're going quarantine here, quarantine there, and back. It, it doesn't make sense sending people home into the, back into the English environment, the way the world is at this moment in time. Fair enough. You can rest them and leave them in, leave them out, and you know sit by the pool, by the hotel, and do whatever. But keep them in the hot sun and keep them, you know, ticking over. Do not get their bodies to stop because I know personally, if your body slows down and stops and then it wants to go again, you're asking, you're asking for trouble with injury. And I'm specifically talking about Mark Wood. Mark Wood comes home. It's John. I'm looking outside. It is white with frost. It is. It was minus four last night. In, in the northeast of England, he comes back for two weeks. He then has to go back into that 40-degree environment with a body which breaks down. You're potentially asking for more injury. There's a more injury risk doing that than there would be, especially with two flights, than there would be just staying out there you know, and, and, and not bowling for a week, not bowling for 10 days. I think, I think England have got this horribly, horribly wrong.
3: Yeah,
2: I can see it. Uh, we've run out of time, Harvey. We will discuss this at length, though, next week. There will be a, a couple of big shows ahead of the first Test match, which goes underway on Friday. Um, I agree. I can see Bester coming into the top three. I can see Ali coming into the top three. I can see Pope coming in. Uh, I can see, four well, Folks will definitely come in. Ali could come in for Bess. Uh, and, of course, Broad will come in for Anderson. And, you know, there is... a. So Chris Wokes in there as well. You know, who's, yeah. who's to say that, that Ben Stokes is going to be able to bat and bowl for four test matches after not playing a lot of cricket for quite a long time. Ah, oh, plenty of, of uh, ponderables. We, we haven't even looked at the India side. Um, who's pulled up fit after their epic series with Australia? So we will do all of that and plenty more. Uh, mate, loving your work. Thanks for the last couple of weeks. Sri Lanka series is now officially over. And it's all about India, which you will be able to hear exclusively live on Talk Talksport 2. This has been The Cricket Collective with myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmson. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.